Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back after a week off. They are in Vegas in the Apex for UFC Vegas 28, Rosenstroik versus Sakai. We'll be breaking down that fight card as well as giving you some underdogs and parlays as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, which is our betting segment that you are going to love, and it's going to make your wallet fat this week. Plus, as always, I'm giving you guys the interviews that you want to hear. Kicking off the show this week is Marcin Tybura talking about his four-fight winning streak, where he stands in the heavyweight division, and what he thinks about Francis Naganu. So make sure you tune into that interview. And a little bit later on in the show, you can tune into me talking to Claudio Puelles, who talks about his long time outside of the cage, finally getting back in there in his new training situation at Sanford MMA. So make sure you check out both of those great interviews as well as Fights, Dogs, and Parlays in just a moment. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting, so head on over to betterthan.vegas and browse, search, and follow fellow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. You're even going to get to see my picks this week over there, so make sure you tune on over to the Top Turtle channel and do so only at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and I'm joined now by Marcin Tybura, who fights Walt Harris at UFC Vegas 28 this upcoming weekend as part of the co-main event. So, Marcin, I want to talk a little bit about your 2020, because you actually went 4-0 in what I think is probably the most underrated win streak of that year. Do, do you feel like you're getting the respect you deserve for, for having such a phenomenal year? Well, I'm not expecting any respect about it, you know. I'm just happy to, uh, you know, turn over a little bit my career because, you know, the 2019 was a total disaster, <laughs> almost. But, yeah, I, I make a couple of changes and um, make 4-0 to 2020, and, and that's the most important thing, that uh, mental change, uh, game change, and uh, and that's the most important. I think fans respect that, uh as much as I see on my social media and everyone, you know, I get I got a very good fight with Walt Harris, which is you know eight ranked right now, so everything goes well. Absolutely. Now I'm curious too. You said in there, you know, some mental, some physical changes, some different things from 2019 to 2020. What what were some of those changes that you made to to kind of you know, like you said, it pretty much entirely turned your career around. Well, it's hard to explain them, like, uh, you know, deeply because uh, there is a lot of change in my mind. Uh, I uh, approach to the training uh, differently right now. And I, for sure, I work much harder. I pay, pay more attention on the different things, and that payoffs also, like, you know, like, like, uh, like harder training, like I'm focused on my 
for example, like breathing exercises, which improves my cardio and a uh, lot of. I, I also I joined uh, I joined the new gym uh, in Poland in Poznań Ankles and uh, we really get along with my new coach Andrzej Kościelski and uh, that that would that would be the the main things. Those certainly make a lot of sense. Now you mentioned breathing exercises, working on your cardio. You did go the full 15 minutes in your first three fights, and in your your fourth fight that year. You, you know, you you wore out Greg Hardy to the point where I mean, like you were murdering him in that fight. So, it, do you attribute a lot of that improved cardio and in, in all of those wins to you know exactly what you said, those breathing exercises and being able to go the full fifteen minutes at, at an accelerated pace? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh, I I don't think it's it's kind it's getting kind of popular right now, but I don't know if uh, lots of fighters does it because they. They not aware of how much they can improve in this. I work on my. I, I do a breathing exercise like at least one hour a day or even more. Sometimes I kind of a focus on it during the workouts, and that actually pays off the, the most. Yeah, for for the cardio. And I'm curious too, because you know you mentioned obviously being in Poland, having a new team there, you know, changing some things around. You also have had to travel for all of these fights, right? Like we're not fighting in Europe very often anymore with the pandemic and stuff going on. How easy is that to make time for when you are traveling? When you are, you know, you're in the middle of fight week right now. When you're moving from Poland to Vegas or Poland to this place or Poland to that place, how easy is it to keep that kind of stuff up? It's easy. I mean, uh, I, I actually coming to Vegas, came to Vegas like uh, nine, eight days prior, prior to my fight. So uh, I uh, right now I'm sure that was uh, enough because the first first thing we did once we landed, we go to train and right away I felt very good. And next day the 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 session was was really great. So. I just feel like I, you know, I can work on the, on those brilliant exercising and and uh, and do whatever I can. I, I want actually, you know, uh, during this fight week, during the the it, uh, during the uh, acclimatization because it's a nine time difference uh, and uh, also the the different climate because it's really hot in here right now and it's different from my country and right now I'm uh, it's. None, none of this is a problem for me right now, so it's easy. Um, was I'm actually pretty sure I would be able to come here like on Monday, and still be able to, you know, to recover to 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 fight on Saturday. Absolutely, that's awesome to hear. Now I, I want to talk a little bit about your space in this division, because like you said, you know, you got this great fight against a guy who's you know top ten in the division in Walt Harris. If you win this fight this weekend, you will have won five in a row, which is one of the longer win streaks, maybe even the longest win streak in the heavyweight division right now. How close do you think you are to, to breaking through and, and being a legit title challenger right now? Well, I think about, uh, you know, the, once I win this one, and even one more actually can get me to the title show, but I, probably I will get at least two more uh, after after this one because uh, I kind of feel like uh, fighters from Europe, like you know, more, less uh, popular here in states. So uh, we need to do a couple of fights more to you know to introduce to the fans, like wor yeah, like wor worldwide and 
you know, like uh, Jan Blahovic, who, who, you know, who, who also deserves the title shot, I think, much earlier than he, he, he gets. And that's actually cool for me. Right now, I'm very confident about uh, about my you know my my performance and about how I train and everything. So I can like beat everyone in uh, top ten to get the title shot. So it's uh, I'm patient guy. I can you know fight uh, two or three fights more, but I'm pretty sure I will get the the the, the, the shot with Francis. Well, that that's certainly awesome. And now I'm curious too. You mentioned the name Jan Blankovic in there, and and you know like he, he's your countryman, right? Like you got to see somebody from Poland, you know, take home a title after you know running into some of the same difficulties you did earlier in your UFC stint. Did you draw a lot of inspiration from that? What what was it like seeing your countryman take home a title in, in such a way? Well, it's uh, it's uh, for, for sure it's uh, inspiring his, uh, his career because you know uh, I train with him. I actually share these moments when he got a really hard time in uh, UFC, uh, and uh, I'm I'm really happy about him to get what he deserves because you know I train with him. I know how how tough he is and. Yeah, and seeing him be, you know, have uh, such a hard time in the UFC was like, like me make make me thinking like, uh, what this guy made of that he he they they can beat him. So I think he did a couple of changes. He 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 changed gym, of course, but that was probably some mental game game to change too. And uh, and he he is where where he belongs to. Well, that, that's great to hear. Now, I also heard you mention the name Francis in there because, you know, obviously he's at the top of the division right now. He's the one holding the belt. There are, of course, a couple of challengers waiting in the wings too, right? John Jones is waiting. You know, Steve Miocic is waiting. But you said when you, you got to the top of the division, you expect Francis Naganu to be the one standing across from you. Is that something that you truly believe that he'll be right there? I hope so. I know, you know, I think uh, Francis is a kind of a champion who brings more attention to the heavyweight division and uh, people like it because he's he's huge, he's scary and and he's, uh, you know, the knockout power and his performance are great. So I actually, when I get the title shot, I would be <laughs> more than happy to, to face that kind of a guy. So people think that, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm crazy to to you know to getting him there in the octagon. Yeah, you know, I, so that would be awesome for me. I, I definitely think you're not the only person. You're probably the only heavyweight I've ever heard mention that they want uh, Francis Naganu's punches standing across from him when they reach there. So yeah, definitely a little bit crazy. But before we get to that level, we do got Walt Harris across from us. So before I let you go, I I do like to get a prediction. How do you see this fight going with Walt Harris this upcoming weekend? Uh, I see a crazy start where, because uh, Walt likes it and uh, he, he will actually try to knock me out in the first. And uh, You know, that didn't work for him in the last two fights. So I don't know if he's going to change some tactics because, you know, it's, uh, it's a hard time for him. But, you know, I'm expecting him going hard in a in a first uh, make uh, and get tired in a second and then I will get my finish. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Marcin Tibera, who fights Walt Harris at UFC Vegas 28 this upcoming weekend as the co-main event. Marcin, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Marcin Tibera. I once again am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. I am now joined by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, 
after a week with no UFC, Bellator, PFL, 1FC, or any real big level MMA with the exception of maybe Combate America, or Combate's Global, I should say, you gotta be chomping at the bit for some UFC here. Which fight on this upcoming card are you the most excited about? Gumby, I'm gonna be honest here. I hate a week without fights, but I'm not that excited for any of these fights. I mean, I'm happy that there are fights as a whole, but we're main eventing here with Rosenstruck versus Sakai. I don't really even professional Sakai, but I don't even consider Sakai a professional fighter. I think he's someone who, you know, shows up when they tell him to show up, but I don't have a lot of faith in him in putting on a banger of a main event. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm curious to hear who you're looking forward to the most. And I'll also say I really wish on weeks, and I know injuries and whatnot, and it's tough to do, but on weeks coming off a lull, I would love it if they, like, loaded up a card like this. Yeah, and I, I think, so I'll, I'll hit that point first. I, I think th- they have to have the week in between with a card like this so that they can run 30 advertisements for the pay-per-view to remind people, right? Because, like, the, the advertisements for a pay-per-view event don't hit as well on, you know, like, whatever's on ESPN, like Sunday Night Baseball, right? Sunday Night Baseball is not selling MLB paper or uh, MMA pay-per-views. Whereas this card is like hitting that target demographic and reminding them that there's that big pay-per-view next week. Uh, But to go back to your original point, I am excited to see Miguel Baeza back in there. He's a guy who's knocked out Matt Brown, getting a step up in competition with Santiago Ponzinibbio, which is a fight we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, So like, I'm excited for that one, but you're right. Like Sakai hasn't looked good in in even the ones he's won, right? Like he, he looks passive. You know, Rosenstreich looked passive his last time out. So, you know, I'm not super excited about this main event. And th- there are some bangers earlier on the card, I guess, that we could probably have mentioned. But, but yeah, you're right. This is this is the lull for the big prize, which is next weekend. Right. And talk about next weekend. So next weekend is, uh, of course, the uh, double... I guess double title fight main event. Uh, although I guess there's three five round fights because we're not only getting the rematch. Uh, well, actually two rematches. We're getting the rematch between Davison Figueredo and Brenda Moreno. We're getting Israel Adesanya uh, versus um, man. Why am I blanking here? I almost said Luigi Vendramini, who is uh, who's going to be joining us on the show next week. Um, Vittori. He's, he's Marvin Vittori. Thank you, Marvin Vittori. I got stuck with Italian names there, and Vendramini isn't even Italian. He's Brazilian, so that's not good either. And then, of course, we're getting Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. I mean, the whole card is stacked, too. Like, Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood is somehow on the prelims. Paul Craig, Jamal Hill, Damian Maya, Bal Muhammad. I mean, Chase Hooper is fighting Steve Peterson, which is fun on the prelims. Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. Brad Riddell, Drew Dober. I mean, like, the whole card is just absolutely loaded, and I'm probably missing ones that are exciting on there as well. So, yeah, I'm excited for next week. But, of course, before we get to that, we have to talk about this week. Yeah, of course. And I am so excited about next week's card. I can't even tell you. I mean, oh, my gosh. Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, third from the top. Are you kidding me? My favorite flyweight of all time, Devison Figueredo. Come on. That, I mean, that whole card, and we get an Israelite Asanya fight. That's freaking awesome. I guess, you know, maybe I'm being a little unreasonably hard on this week. It is what it is. It's like you said, it's there for the week before a pay-per-view to kind of, like, rehype you up, get you set for that. But I do just wish 
I don't know. I guess I'm just down on Sakai, but we'll get into that. So let's get into it. It's fights, dogs, parlays, our favorite segment on the show. We're going to give you a couple of fights. We're going to give you a couple of parlays to play, and we're going to break down a couple of live dogs we like. But before we get into it, Gumby, one may wonder if any company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter. Log your training sessions, tag training partners, add in little notes for yourselves instead of that sweaty journal that you like to keep, and do so many more awesome things. Check out all their features wherever it is you download apps. All right. So we've already mentioned him a couple of times. We have Alexia Sakai in the main event. And He's 15-2 and two as a pro. He is in the UFC not counting Dana White Contender Series, which he won on, had a big TKO on Dana White's Contender Series. He came out of that show and reeled off four wins in a row over Chase Sherman, Andre Arlovsky via split decision, KO'd Marcin Tiburo, which is very impressive, and beat Blagov Ivanov via split decision again. So two split decisions, two uh, KO TKOs. But then he ran into Alistair Overeem, and he lost via TKO. And if you go to his Wikipedia page, Alessio Sakai, Augusto Sakai, that is, it says he works at an aquarium, uh, like a fish tank store, in between fights. <laughs> Who knows how real that is? And I'm not making light of that because it's crazy how little you know UFC fighters get paid on their way to the top. Even Charles Oliveira, uh, Charlie Olives, recently laid out how even as a champion, he's like barely scraping by. And this is a guy with a ton of wins, a ton of records in the UFC. So I don't make mention of that. I just feel, though, that Sakai's one of those guys. He's going to be at heavyweight. Maybe he'll be in some fun fights. Maybe he'll be in some boring fights. That's kind of the life of a heavyweight. But I don't view him as, like, a future champion. Um, so I don't know. I just don't get excited about him so much. But Roizenstruck, obviously a very exciting fighter. We've seen, seen him with some highlight real KOs. Uh, he's really just run into trouble uh, when he faces, you well, Francis Ngannou, as everyone does. He got knocked out. Um, but this man has put together pretty impressive resumes of headhunting, a KOs, Alan Crowder, he KO'd, Andre Arlovsky, he KO'd, Alistair Overeem, he KO'd, Junior Dos Fucking Santos, he TKO'd, lost to Francis Ngannou, and is coming off a unanimous decision loss to Cyril Gain, who is, I consider, a very exciting prospect at heavyweight. So he's going to face uh, Augusto Sakai in the main event. Vegas doesn't really even know what to make of this fight. Roizenstruck, the minus-120 favorite. Sakai's just a plus-100. So very tight odds here. Break it down. So, you know, you mentioned that you're not super excited about Augusto Sakai. You don't see him as a future champion or everything. And I think that has to do with his passivity, right? Like, he, in that Andre Arlovsky fight, there, there was very little strikes, right? And you saw Andre Arlovsky go in there with kind of his new mentality, right? Arlovsky is no longer the killer-be-killed Arlovsky that we saw 10, 15 years ago. He's now much more safe, Arlovsky. And against Sakai, that turned into kind of a boring fight. And we saw a similar thing when he fought Blago Ivanov, where he was really passive. And I think that's why the odds are so tight in this fight, is because Yair Rosenstrike is a guy who can kind of be lulled into that fight, right? Like, he was lulled into that fight a little bit against Overeem, right? Like, he didn't go for the kill against Overeem until he knocked him out with one second left. Um, you know, he was goaded into that against a real gain. Like, it's just like one of those things where Rosenstreich could come in there and knock your head off in five seconds, or he could fight a really passive fight. And the thing about if this does go the passive route here, where I think Sakai could possibly win, I, I just think it's going to be hard for him 
Well, well, first of all, th- that fight winds up being a coin flip. That That's a split decision nightmare if it does wind up passive. And I don't think he's going to knock out Rosenstrike. So I think for that reason, you pick Rosenstrike in this fight. You can't feel super confident about either of them because neither of them have put together all that consistent of performances. But uh, gun to my head here, I'm going to go with Rosenstrike. And I'm going to say he probably gets that knockout somewhere in there. Um. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Rosenstrike can knock out anyone on any given day, not named Francis Naganu, who just knocked him out first, kind of like a Wild West, you know, shootout who drew their gun first. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think if you're laying money on this, you just go with Rosenstrike because you feel better about the power and him getting to the chin of Sakai first and Sakai's passivity. Passivity? passivity uh as you mentioned but i'm staying away from that fight uh from a gambling perspective you know other than maybe throwing down a prop on the knockout i i don't really like it just as like a straight up bet either um and i don't really know what happens to those guys in the fourth and fifth round if neither can knock the other one out uh let's move on to a fight that i'm really excited about uh and that's miguel baeza minus 125 santiago ponzanibio plus 105. So this is a very exciting Walter May matchup. Uh, Miguel Baeza, undefeated in uh, his pro career since coming off a win on Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he's reeled off three wins in the UFC, all by fucking finish. Hector Aldana, TKO, Matt Brown, TKO, and Takashi Saito, an arm triangle choke. So couldn't be more excited about Baeza. And now I want to take back my answer from earlier in the show. This is the fight I'm most excited about. Santiago Ponzinibbio is coming off a loss to Li Lang via KO. But if you go back before that, Ponzinibbio reeled off seven wins in a row, kind of like a, a Neil Magny-type streak in welterweight where you don't even think about it. And he beat Neil Magny in the streak, believe it or not. But if you recall Magny's streak, that was over the course of, like, I don't know, two months. He fought 30,000 times. Uh, Ponzinibbio did this streak, seven wins in a row from 2015 to 2018. We didn't see him at all in 2019 or 2020. He came back this past January and lost to Li Jing Lang. So long layoff there, but two performance of the night, a fight of the night in here. Uh, he has a loss to Lorenz Larkin way back in January of 2015, beat Sean Strickland and Wendell Oliveira before that, debuted in the UFC on a unanimous decision loss to Ryan LaFleur. So he's only lost three times in the UFC. He's won nine times. Who you got here? I think I'm leaning Baeza just because I didn't like how Ponzinibbio looked in that last fight with, with Li Jingliang. But the thing I will say about that, though, is he was coming off a very long layoff. A very long layoff. The ring rust was clearly there. But he did get his chin touched. And that's sort of what worries me here against Miguel Baeza who is a guy with dynamite in his hands. He's also got some pretty good takedowns and some pretty good jujitsu, as we saw in the Saito fight. Now, granted, Ponzinibbio, much better grappler than Takashi Saito. I think 100% he's more likely to defend the takedowns and force this to stay standing. But I think that gives us just kind of like more ways Miguel Baeza can win. And in addition to that, knowing that coming off that long layoff, he got tagged. His chin might not be what it used to be. I'm going to go with Baeza here, but I think this is a fight where if the old Santiago Ponzinibbio stepped in, ooh, I think I'd probably take him. I just don't trust necessarily that that guy's here. Do you know what his long layoff was from? I can't find it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was for like seven different reasons, if I'm not mistaken. He had like 
one staph infection and then he had another injury and he was out for like a really long time with that injury and like follow-up injuries on that injury. So like, I, I think it was a combination of things, which is probably why you can't feel find one article. I also think it was kind of a little bit of a mystery while he was gone for a while. I know the UFC took him out of the rankings. He was gone for so long, um, which is by the way, Nate Diaz was ranked for like 150 years after he fought. So, um, yeah, I, I like don't know a hundred percent the reason, but there was definitely a whole bunch of things. Yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. I think the inactivity is probably what keeps me from picking him as well. Uh, let's move on. Marcin Tibera is a minus one sixty five favorite to Walt Harris, just a plus one forty five dog. But Harris kind of down on his luck recently. Lost to Alistair Overeem via TKO. Lost to Alexander Volkov via TKO. So he's on a two fight losing streak, uh, and that's actually uh, after winning. Uh, I guess you could say three wins and a no contest. It was originally a split decision win for Harris, but overturned because he tested positive for a banned uh, supplement. But he beat Alexia Linux, Sergi Spiv- Spivak, Andre Arlovsky. That was the one that was overturned. And Daniel Spitz in the four-fight win streak, now riding the two-fight losing streak and facing Marcin Tibera, who's on a four-fight win streak himself. Beat the aforementioned Sergey Spivak, beat Maxim Grishin, beat Ben Rothwell, and coming off a big TKO win over Greg Hardy. So he's riding the momentum into this fight, the minus 165 favorite. Any reason you might pick against him? Who you got here? No, I, I think I'm going to stick with Tybura, and not just because he was on our show this week, but uh, also because, you know, like, he, he mentioned in the interview his cardio has gotten so much better, right? Like, in that fight with Greg Hardy... He melted Greg Hardy in like there were memes made afterwards about how shitty Greg Hardy's cardio was and all that kind of stuff. But like nobody else melted Greg Hardy like that, right? Like Maurice Green had a really tough time with Greg Hardy's cardio, uh, which is it's silly to say in retrospect. But like Greg Hardy's cardio is not so bad that we shouldn't be looking at, you know, Marcin Tibera's cardio as a plus here in this fight. Um, and not that Walt Harris has got bad cardio, but... You know, Marcin Tibera's kind of got a melting style. He puts you up against the cage. He takes you down. He wears you out. He's very heavy. Uh, I, I think all of those things play well into him here. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, Walt Harris has kind of fallen on, you know, a, a tough run of fights here in the cage. You know, that Overeem fight, he seemed to be winning before he got knocked out. I, I just wonder what it's going to be like if he's in another grueling fight, having coming off some kind of tough losses here. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go, again, favorite here. I'm going to go with Marcin Tibera. All right, not going to argue with you. Uh, let's then go to our dog of the week, and it's Gregory Rodriguez, a plus 135. Why do we like him? So, first of all, this is a weird pick for me because I don't usually take guys who are coming in on very short notice, but Rodriguez is doing exactly that. Not only is he coming in on short notice, but he's coming in on short rest because he only fought three weeks ago uh, in LFA, and in doing so, just looked like an absolute world beater. He captured their middleweight title with a mean knockout of Josh Fremd. Um, and it's he just looks like a guy who's got really, really, really powerful hands. And kind of like a sniping, striking style. Um, and he's fighting Dushko Todorovic here. And Todorovic is a guy who, when he lands anything, he kind of tries to swarm and try to just keep landing until you know the other guy runs away or he kind of wears himself out. And to me, that that just doesn't spell enough defense against a guy who's been sniping chins lately. So I, I like Rodriguez here to come in, still being fresh from his last knockout, and to pick up another one. 
I like it. He's a chin sniper is what he is. Our parlay to play is Sean Woodson, a minus 165, and Mason Jones, a minus 290. Now, that's two, you know, relatively solid favorites, but pair them together. We feel good about them. It'll get you plus money at plus 115. Let's hear it. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, not not to slight Yusuf Zalal, because I do like Yusuf Zalal, but the, the reason I like Sean, Strick, or, uh, Sean Strickland, Sean Woodson in this fight is because he's a guy who looks amazing on the feet. Right, like he just looks like an absolute killer, an absolute world beater when he's striking. And Yusuf Zalal has had trouble with that lately. You know, I don't think they did Yusuf Zalal any favors by having him go lose two straight fights and then stick him in there with the same style who's been beating him. So I, I expect Woodson to get back in the win column with this. And look, hey, I, I actually thought Mason Jones probably he was a lot closer in that fight than the, the scorecards indicate. I think Mason Jones is a hell of a prospect for the UFC right now. In fight now in Patrick, a guy who's had kind of a long layoff, and, and regardless of his skill set, I just don't think he's as young and as powerful as Mason Jones, which is why you see Mason Jones this big. But I think there's still value to add to a parlay there. So I like Woodson and Jones, plus 115. Get it while it's hot. Boom. You heard it here first. We sure hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We'll be live tweeting during the show, as always, at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. You can also check us out on Instagram by the same name. Uh, and please go write a review for us on iTunes. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio. Gumby, this train is a moving. Let's keep moving. Where are we going next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Claudio Puelles, who fights against Jordan Levitt on this upcoming weekend's fight card. And you can tune into that interview right now. All right, and joining me today is Claudio Puelles, who fights Jordan Levitt at UFC Vegas 28. So, Claudio, I wanted to start here. It's been almost two years, a little bit over a year and a half, since we've last seen you in the cage. Talk to us a little bit about what's been going on in that time and what's kept you out for so long. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hope everything's good. Uh, well, talking about my career a little bit, um, I last fought September 2019. The main reason I haven't fought again is, uh, be, well, before that, um, I, I wasn't uh, too active. Some injuries kept me out of the octagon. I, was, um, I, I just needed a time to recover. But this time, it was different. Like, COVID hit, and we were, I, I, well, we all were stuck in in their, like, Latin American countries. Like, I couldn't leave Peru for a long time. They just uh, reopened uh, the borders about um, November, I think, November 2020. So I was, like, stuck all year there. And uh, I started looking for fights, but um, they weren't, like, giving anything. And then I just, like, made the move to Florida, switched uh, training to Sanford MMA, and, well, uh, I got the fight against, uh, Jordan and well, I've been training here for for the last uh, two and a half months and feel very well about it. Well, that that's good to hear. Now I'm curious too because I I know you used to do a little bit of training in in Peru and, and the majority of your training was in Latin America. I, is this a permanent switch? Is this something that not just the pandemic has kind of encouraged you to try for a little bit so that you could get a fight, or is this something you plan on doing from now on? It was something I I was planning on doing. I knew uh, eventually I had to make the move, and uh, well, uh, maybe the pandemic made me do it. And I just, yeah, I just needed like a, a little push to actually come here and and be able to like uh, train, and it was all good. I like it. I really like the gym. I like Sanford. I like uh, Florida. 
So yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be making well doing all my camps here. Well, that that's great to hear. Now I, I do want to ask too because like you said, you were stuck in Peru, you or Latin America, and you were looking for ways to get out, ways to get a fight. You're on a pretty nice little win streak. You, you've won two in a row, a, a fantastic knee bar submission, followed up by a dominant performance after that. Was it frustrating not to be able to build on those two wins during that time? It was. It was very frustrating. Uh, I've Especially because I was training at the beginning of the pandemic, and then uh, we were actually, like, quarantined home. Like, we couldn't leave our house. I, I couldn't leave my own house. I couldn't leave... I was like stuck in my apartment for about three months, like uh, from March to till June or July, and then I started training back. But uh, they just—it's just frustrating to not being able to like be healthy and not being able to do what you want, not being able to to keep uh, going on the streak. But whatever, whatever. Uh, I'm I'm here now and I have a full camp on. I feel I feel ready to go and I have a fight in almost a week, so uh, I'm eager to so pe- to to people to see all my. Uh, all the things I've actually improved. Like I improved like a lot um, on the whole year I was training in Peru. And now that this last camp, I really made some major changes. So yeah, I'm just, I just want to like step in the cage and show my work. Well, and that was actually the next question I was going to ask you. I, I was wondering, you know, with all that time away, you've obviously gotten better at some things. What what do you feel like you've improved the most on in that time out of the cage? Um, Everything. <laughs> I can't, I can't like uh, stand anything apart. Like my whole game has evolved, everything. Like I'm not, I'm not, I haven't left uh, any stone unturned. And uh, yeah, you, you, you guys will see that day. Like, yeah, I just want to like fight already. I, I can imagine, I can imagine. Now let, let's talk about that fight too, because you're fighting Jordan Levitt, a guy who's got a fair amount of hype behind him. Because he came in in his UFC debut and and he won by a very emphatic slam. I, I was wondering if you could comment on, first of all, whether or not you've you've seen the slam, which I kind of assume you have at this point. And second of all, what did you think of his his UFC debut? Yeah, yeah, I, I see the slam. Uh, I see a fight. Um, well, yeah, it was it was a good win. It was a good win. It doesn't really count like like to, to me as a as a, like, a fight, the way you're going to get, like, the experience of being inside the cage. Like, it's only, like, 30 seconds. So, it's not the same as being 15 minutes in there and having a tough fight. So, yeah, I'm, I just I'm going to welcome him, welcome him to the big leagues. Well, and I, I certainly think that that's true. Now, I, I want to ask, too, you know, obviously, you're a guy who's got a very good ground game, and he seems to be a guy who... Hey, likes the takedown, likes to go to the ground with people. Is, is that something you're looking forward to when they offered you? Is is him a possible matchup? Yeah, it's the first time they matched me up with a with a grappler. Like, well, all the guys I fought had 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 grappling, of course. Everybody has it, like everything now. But well, for what I see from him, he mostly only grapples. Like he, I've never seen him like throw a strike with intention. But but well, he trusts. He's grappling, he trusts his game, he's a good athlete, so, well, I'm just going to go in and try to put the hurt in. Uh, I, I don't mind grappling, I don't mind striking, I'm I'm good everywhere, I don't mind if the fight finishes in the first round or last, like, the, the whole three, five minute rounds, like, I'm, I'm ready to go, like, everywhere and anywhere. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, I did want to talk to you a little bit, because I was looking at your record on Tapology 
flipping through, looking back at some of your earliest fights, and I see you made your amateur debut in 2012, and, and by my, my, my quick math here, that means you were only 16 at the time you first fought. Ha- have you always known you've wanted to be a fighter? Is this something you've always known you wanted to do? Yes, yeah. So, so uh, a lot of the people like back home and like, yeah, they they already know the story. But I, this is actually my my US debut. So, so this is kind of new for me to to tell. But yes, I I found I like found out I wanted to be a fighter when I was thirteen only. Like, I I actually wanted to be in the UFC specifically. I haven't even like started training MMA at the time, but but I. I like uh, went to walk into a like Muay Thai school and liked it a lot. And there was like some posters like showing the uh, UFC fights in the cage. And I was like, I want to fight there. Like I'm go I'm going to fight there. So I just like um, started training and and it wasn't until I moved uh, in 20, 2011 to Florida for a year then that I started training uh, MMA and actually saw what. Um, how amateur fighters were training at the gym because there were like a couple of amateur fighters at, at the gym at the time and I saw them and I was like I can definitely do that and I wanted to I want to do that so I started training and then I went back home and made my debut at yeah 16 almost 15 I wanted to make it at 15 but it was hard really hard to find an opponent so yeah it ended up being at 16. Well, and that's incredible. Now, I'm curious, too, because you, you said you walked into a gym at 13 years old. Had, had you had no prior martial arts training at that point? Well, just uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my mom took me to karate lessons, like almost everybody, but not really. I didn't. And I, I even competed. I have, like, tape of me competing when I was four years old, but I didn't really knew anything. Like, my actually, like, uh um, when I actually started to learn like how to fight was when I first like walked into this like market school that I'm that I'm telling you about at 13. And, and then too, I, I'm curious. You said you saw the posters on the wall. You instantly said, "I, I want to be in a cage. I want to fight in the UFC. I want to fight MMA." What What about that instantly was a connection for you as a person? What What made you think this This is what's right for me. So I don't know. It, it, ever since I was growing up, I thought like I was like. I could fight. I always, like, thought that. Of course, like, I didn't knew anything, but growing up in school, I was like, yeah, I can fight. Like, I can fight a lot. And, and well, I didn't knew how to strike. I didn't knew wrestling. I didn't knew anything. But, <laughs> but that was in my mind. Like, I was tough. I was like, I could, like, well, I could always, like, I'll grapple most of my friends at the time without, like, knowing anything. So I had a little a little natural, like, talent on that. But, uh, well, when I first, like, started doing it, at the beginning, it was kind of hard. In about a year, I was doing pretty good. Like, I was doing pretty good at the gym, and I was young. I was, like, beating up, like, older guys and everything. So, yeah, coaches were, like, trying to pay attention to me. And, yeah, but actually, it was it was my time in Florida uh, when I was 14 that made me disciplined. Like, that actually, like, uh, seeing the fighters, like I told you, the amateur fighters at the gym, that made me realize what I had to do, like, in order to actually become a fighter, because I didn't had no idea what what it took to to be a fighter. I thought I just like, you know how some people just like be saying, yeah, I want to be in the UFC, and they have never trained at the end of their life. Well, that was me <laughs> until I came here. Yeah, until I came here and I saw how tough it was to be a fighter, how how hard it was training, how much the conditioning played a a role in being a fighter. And well, it just like started like. Uh, 
taking shape and I started molding my career. Well, I love that story. Now, I'm curious too, you know, you said Muay Thai school, you said karate when you were younger, but I'm looking at your record here and I've seen you fight in the UFC and, and I see knee bars, I see rear naked chokes, I see, you know, even your first fight ever was an arm bar, your first pro fight was an arm bar. What, what wound up making you more of a grappler as you progressed if, you know, all of your first martial arts were striking arts? Hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I can fight everywhere. I can fight, like, standing up. I don't care. Like, I've had some, like, rough situations, like the knee bar, like the, the fight I won with the knee bar, like everybody saw that one. But I don't want to make up excuses. I just want to, like, show on my next fight, like, this upcoming Saturday, that I can fight anywhere. I don't mind. I feel I feel as good as on my feet that on the ground. Like I just well, but to answer like your question, I did concentrate a lot on grappling on my after I, I only did like the went to the martial school for about a year and then I switched my focus to like jujitsu and wrestling. Uh, I just like I was really natural at, at it and and I had more training partners in those areas, so I just I just became a little better. But well, I started like developing my my Muay Thai training and unboxing for the the last past two years I've trained a lot of that so yeah I want to show it on this side I know I haven't been able to fight but you're gonna see this time around well we're looking forward to it and before I let you go you know you said you you're comfortable everywhere you want to fight everywhere you want to show everybody everything that you've been working on but how do you see this one ending with Jordan Levitt how do you see your your hand getting raised at the end of this one well, it's kind of it's kind of difficult to tell because I haven't seen. He has so such few fights, and all the guys I've seen him fight try to take him down. Like I've never seen anyone like try to like put the strikes on him. So I wonder how what how good his ability to take a punch is. Like I don't know. I don't know if if, if he can if he can take punches. I'm probably I'm gonna knock him out. And uh, but if he's tough and he can take strikes. He, you may go to a three-round like decision fight. Like I don't care. I'm not. I mean, no rush to like finish that fight in a minute. I just like want to go in there and like work my game. Uh, let go of my hands. Let go of my my whole game. If he tries to wrestle, we're gonna wrestle. Like I don't mind. Uh, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm really prepared for it, for it in any area. Well, we're happy to see you finally get back in there and, and get your chance to show us all you've been working on. Once again, fans, this has been Claudio Puelas who fights. Jordan Levitt at UFC Vegas 28. Claudio, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much for this interview. And, well, you're all going to see me that day. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without you guys, and we couldn't do what we do without Maroon Social and Better Than Dot Vegas, our two sponsors who help keep the lights on in the Top Turtle studio. We also want to thank the mothership, CagesidePress.com, and remind you guys to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then. <laughs>